In fact, we never went anywhere. We are still the Winner Winner PUBG podcast, coming to you again for another week of strategic goodness. My name is Arjuna. And I'm Robin. And yeah, I mean, you know, PUBG's not dead yet. <laughs> <laughs> and neither are we. Neither are we. Um, and may, that, may both of those things stay that way. Um, despite the rumblings on the internet, mostly about us dying. Yes, it's not true. All the rumors about the cocaine and the hookers. Well, those are true. Well, okay, but we didn't <laughs> die, okay? But, but there was no dying yeah, to we be laughed had. for a little while, but we didn't leave the show, okay? No, never. No, have we? Missed? We've never missed a week. We are loyal. I am. I'm going to give myself a pat on the back for that, man. Not a single week missed. I'm pretty impressed with us. Yeah. Me too. Mm-hmm. Despite numerous attempts of me trying to die. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, peop- the listeners might think that we are otherwise somewhat disciplined people, which yeah. of course is far from true. Yeah. But here we are. <laughs> what is this? Thirty-four episodes in a row. Yeah. Like clockwork. I'm gonna I'm gonna call that a streak right there. <laughs> I mean, you you did try to secede to Catalonia, but you mm-hmm. stayed with the episode, so mm-hmm. yeah. And then to Minnesota, and they wouldn't have me. <laughs> And now he's back. So, all right, let's let's uh, discuss what we're going to talk about today. So, you know, in case you've been living under a rock, we have been playing Sandhog lately. And Robin and I have resisted the temptation to cover this in our previous episodes because I just felt like we didn't have enough data. So rather than bring you wild speculation, which is what we do most of the time, we decided to try to get a few more rounds under our belts and... Um, see if we could come up with something insightful to say about Sandhog. So we'll, we will endeavor to do that this episode. Mm-hmm. And um, that's that's really it. Um, I want to just briefly touch on the QBU today, which is the new um, DMR that's been rotated in for Sandhog mm-hmm. and rotating out the mini. Yes. Probably to very few people's disappointment. We I haven't actually played with this weapon yet, so... But, Me neither. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so it'll be the blind leading the blind. But I did. We do have some stats, so I just want to look at those real quick. And Perfect. yeah, that's about that. So Sandhawk and the new gun. Yeah. Oh, we should talk about the new truck too. The new truck. Yeah, you didn't know about the new truck. No, dude. I'm totally in the dark. Oh man. All right. Well, we'll get to All it. Right. We're gonna do our current events in a minute, and we'll at least brush up on it. So. All right. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna learn something today. Yeah, okay, so first of all, just want to give some Patreon shout-outs. You guys have been very good to us this week. We had three new patrons this week in the form of Isaac, Stan, and Jonathan. Thank you, guys. I guess our, our pleas last week were heard, so... Yes, that's great news. Yeah, yeah, and we're just, we were just talking about how we're, we're going to get Robin a new mic. It's going to yep. be great. So he, instead of sounding 10 feet away, he'll be yes. like right there. Yeah. I hope, I hope that it works out that way. Yeah. I know right now, sometimes I sway around when I walk, not related to my drinking. <laughs> and if I sway a little too far, I think my, my levels can kind of go a little weird. So yeah. hopefully we can get an upgrade. Upgrade. Oh, Robin also got a new graphics card, which we didn't pay for from the Patreon, just so you know. But um, that thing is like... Oh my god! It's you could kill someone with that thing. I just got it on Craigslist today. People are gonna hate me if I say how much I got it for. <laughs> it's, a, it's a brand new 1080 for 
four hundred bucks. It was brand new. It wasn't opened. What a heck, man! What a heck! Chicken it's open dinner. now. <laughs> yeah, I haven't gotten a chance to install it. I just got it like over my lunch break today. So wow. got a new tower, got the new card. Wow. Ready to like plug it in after this recording. That, so yeah. hopefully next week. FPS. You know, I'm like nervous. I'm like nervous. I'm going to plug it in and I'm still going to suck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're running out of excuses, Robin. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, this is kind of the last one. I mean, yeah. I guess... My new monitor's on its way too, so I, you know, once that's all together, though, it's like, what's left? Processor? Like, I'll have to get a new CPU, and that's going to be pretty much the last thing I can, like, blame for my lack of responsiveness. So, we'll see. I'm running out. <laughs> well, then you can just, like, cycle back to complaining about, you know, network server lag and stuff. Oh, right. like... <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Good point. Good so point. we also had a Patreon, Chris S., who increased their pledge. Thank you so much, Chris. You are fantastic. And one of our lovely Discord users from uh, south of the equator down there in New Zealand has submitted a question. So this one's from KK. Uh, I don't know. Do you want to read this, Robin? Yeah, so I love this one. This is He's asking, where do you guys think PUBG will go over the next 12 to 18 months? Will they fix the problems facing the game and go back to a a genre leader? Like being a genre leader. Being a genre leader, yep. Will they write a PUBG 2, parentheses, and enough of a game change to warrant a sequel tag using a different engine to fix many of the issues facing it right now? Uh, this is a lot of questions. Yeah, these are a lot of questions. Will they preserve, persevere rather, with the current software and just keep wrapping it up with layers and layers of cosmetics and token effort efforts to fix the problems? Spoiler alert, probably. <laughs> will the player levels drop low enough that Blue Hill will walk away and hope the game dies a slow but certain death? Okay. Um, so, overarching question, where is this game going? Right. And it... It's really hard to tell. I know they released that roadmap a while back. I'm racking my brain to remember where that's taking us. And it's kind of the usual suspects from my memory of performance, optimization, I don't know. Sandhawk, I think, hadn't been released when they released the, the roadmap. Yeah, it's really hard to tell. It's I, I don't. It feels like kind of a black box, as, the, as, as is the case with many games and their development. We don't often know exactly what's going to come out of it and, and whether or not it'll persevere, as, as do many other games like Rainbow Six and Battlefield are often very heavily supported years into the future to the point where they're, they're very much living games and more relevant than many new releases. Um, will that be the case with PUBG? Who knows? This is a totally, this is a new company, first game. It's, it's a total black box for me. Do you have any speculations, Arjuna? Well... I don't know. I mean, well, let's tease into these questions a bit more because they might direct our thoughts here. So mm-hmm. the first one, where do you think PUBG will go over the next 12 to 18 months? My guess is it's not going to go that many more places than where it already is. That's my guess. Um, I feel like, you know, we'll probably get one to two new maps. Um I feel my guess is that in addition to just working on all of the things that are still patently broken with the game mm-hmm. um and you know getting it caught up on the xbox stuff like that mm-hmm. um if i had to guess like what one major thing they might introduce in this game i think they might start focusing on competitive play more 
Mm. Um, especially because that you know they have this huge PGI thing coming up. That that's my rough guess as to maybe a, a, an area of the game that's been really neglected. I mean, I, I don't even know if it's been neglected, but clearly it's you know not quite tournament ready, as as the kids say. So yeah, I don't know. What do you think, Robin? Twelve to eighteen months. It would, the first thing that comes to my mind when I think of that question is, will they fix desync, mm. and mm-hmm. or will they find a workaround for it? Yeah, because I think that is the main issue for me facing the game. That this game is a great game, and it would be like close to I don't know. Perfect is a big word, but. It would be an awesome, awesome game that I would recommend to people without any caveats whatsoever um, if if desync was fixed. Mm. And and um, yeah, mm-hmm. I guess that I guess optimization is the flip side of that. Mm-hmm. They kind of go hand in hand, but um, optimization is more about more client intensive question, right? Yeah. So right now I'm upgrading a lot of components of my system to kind of mitigate optimization issues and taking on the load that works, but you know, people, not everyone has the, the cash or will mm. to shell out in that direction. So obviously I would love to see that. Yeah. Um, yeah. His next sub question here is, uh, will they fix the problems facing the game and go back to being a genre leader? And it's a great question. And I'm curious, I, I like that second part, go back to being a genre leader. I think the kind of implied question there is, will they get a player base that's larger than Fortnite? Right, because mm. Fortnite overtook PUBG, mm-hmm. and then we have a lot of contenders entering the arena in in the battle royale arena. So, right, it seems like an uphill battle at this point to actually gain back. They're, like the buzz is gone, and so I, I don't. They'd have to do some pretty radical things, I think, to recreate buzz and to actually grow the player base above what it is currently especially Mm. with all the other contenders entering the market Mm -hmm. yeah i do i would contend though that PUBG is still a genre leader um yes i agree i think in terms of the player base maybe there's more people on fortnite but i feel like PUBG is still the the you know just as far as its overall design i feel like it's still leading the pack um people Mm -hmm. are starting to see the limitations of fortnite um, you know, people are starting to call it a pretty formulaic game and with, with some very well-defined matters. And I think that PUBG has actually done a really good job of not succumbing to any well-defined matters, you know? Um, I mean, maybe the AR sniper is, is like a big matter in PUBG, but mm. that's such mm-hmm. a broad matter, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I, I still think it's a genre leader, in my opinion. I haven't seen any it, other I game. Think, yeah, I, th- I don't think there's any, any argument. Yeah. I think it just is. Yeah. 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 And yeah. I don't think Islands of Nine is going to unseat it anytime soon either. No, I don't think it's a replacement. No, I, yeah. I think, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, how about this one? Will they write a PUBG 2? Um, mm, no time soon is my guess. I think, mm. you know, especially with the development models going on at the moment, I think that they just, they're going to rock PUBG for as long as they can. Mm-hmm. I think a PUBG 2 would be like years away, hmm. in my opinion. I don't know. Yeah. I, I think we've, I've speculated about it before just because it seems like some of the issues facing the game have been persistent from the start which makes me suspect there's something architecturally 
that they built on in the game that would be just really hard to overhaul and it might be easier for them to start from scratch uh, and build it another game that didn't have those inherent problems that's the only speculation i have about that and as for why they would want to do it sooner rather than later um and for that matter the company might just make a different game not even PUBG 2 but just you know something maybe in the genre but breaking the mold enough that they wouldn't even call it another player unknown battlegrounds game yeah exactly mm-hmm. yeah it would just be a different franchise right mm-hmm. yeah um and you know this next question persevere with the current software and just keep wrapping it up with layers and layers of cosmetics I, i'm sure they'll do that <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that has been what they've been doing so far mm-hmm. um you know how much they actually craft this into like the the you know platonic ideal of what this game could be i don't know you know whether how much effort they'll put into that i do this last question will the player levels drop low enough the blue hole walk away and hope the game dies a slow but certain death i i don't actually see any indication of that happening anytime soon i think Mm -hmm. the these reports of PUBG being dead are just really overstated it's still wildly popular on Steam. It still has a player base that any video game in the world would envy having. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, maybe the fact that it's not riding as high as it was before is something. But, I mean, I, I don't know. I just, I don't see it happening. I don't. Maybe if one of these new Battle Royale games comes out and it really spanks PUBG, it's possible. But I think... I think people have underestimated how difficult that would actually be to pull Mm -hmm. off. Like, it's really, it's not just like you make a game that's like the other game that doesn't have a few problems and then your game rules the roost. Like, it's a lot more complex than that. There are cultural trends. It depends on who's streaming it. You know, it depends on who took a fancy to it. It depends on so many things, you know, it's really hard to predict that. So I think when people say like, oh, Battlefield's going to come out and it's just going to kill PUBG, um, maybe, you know, Mm -hmm. but I don't, I definitely don't think that's certain. Even if it were an objectively better game, I don't think that's certain. Yeah. So I'm looking at Steam charts, which tracks concurrent players um, in different games on Steam. And the top one is Dota 2. I still have no fucking idea what the game even is, to be honest. <laughs> um, Dota 2 is number one. Number two, Player Knows Battlegrounds. Yeah. You know, number three is Counter Strike Global Offensive. That is nuts to me. Yeah. Um, Warframe, and then number five is Rainbow Six. So on it goes. But it's number two. This game is far from dead. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Far from it. Okay. We have 200,000 players, it says currently. Peak players, I'm assuming peak players is, I don't know, last week or last month, 1.6 million mm. concurrent players. Or maybe that's all time. I'm not really sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's it's definitely a, a bustling um, place yeah. still. It's so, happening. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for the question, KK. That was fun to explore. Um, so, all right. Let's move on to some current events in PUBG. So... Robin, we went to host custom games this week and discovered that everyone's allowed to do it now. I am so pissed that they're <laughs> democratizing custom games. Like, what clout do you and I even have I know, anymore man. If, if we can't kind of hold our listeners hostage in our custom servers? I know. It's, the, the gravy train has <laughs> stopped in the station, you know? 
man. Yeah. So, I, I mean, this is really exciting, I think. I have wanted everyone to have customs access since the beginning. So, you know, for me, this is like the fulfillment of a dream. Now, having said that, it's, you know, it's going to have to actually perform. Like, one of the nice things about customs, the way they have it at the moment, is it's actually... Apart from a few bugs, like, you know, certain settings you make not actually showing up in the game, the customs implementation has been pretty good, you know, like it, like we haven't seen, it's not like they're giving custom servers like a deprioritization or anything like that. Like the performance in our custom games has been pretty good. Mm -hmm. um, I've been pleased with it. I mean, of course they could make improvements in the system, like being able to save presets, but overall, they've actually done a pretty good job yeah. with it. Which it looks like they might be setting the current customs format up for that. Nice. Because they did... It had a preset part in the settings. It didn't have any buttons to create a new preset that I could see. Mm. But it said something like default or normal preset. And you couldn't change it. And so I think they're actually... Just from looking at that one UI point, um, probably planning on allowing presets, which is great. Nice. And anyone who's played customs with us knows that it takes us, you know, about four minutes to set up a custom game because there are many, many settings to tweak um, to do different modes that we we try. So it just takes a while. It's tedious, and so. But yeah, I already saw some good uh, UI improvements with the new way that they're setting up customs, including being able to change the spawn rates of particular weapons for a custom battle mm, royale. That's huge. It's so cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, one thing that is going to be really interesting, of course, is that up until now, you know, public customs have been able to attract players and fill their lobbies pretty quickly because there just ha there's been a scarcity of them. And we noticed that you know, we made a custom game on the test server and opened it up to the public and no one joined. We had like one person join in a, in a handful of minutes. And the reason for that is that there's just like 10,000 of them now. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so, you know, I think, I think people might have a rude awakening when they're like, oh my God, I'm, I'm going to make these awesome custom games and I have this mm -hmm. really great idea. And mm -hmm. they're going to set it up and they're going to sit there and no one's going to join it. You know, I... I think, I know you're stoked about it, and I think I'm going to play devil's advocate here and say that, you know, just from that point you just made, that having custom server access for everybody to be able to start their own custom game, it's cool if because it gives everyone the opportunity to go in and experiment with things on their own. Yeah. However, I think that there's other ways to achieve that and not have everybody be able to put up cu public custom servers. Mm, true. That, that that fill up these lobby spaces because we have already seen that there's way too many and none of them are getting filled. Mm -hmm. We couldn't get people to join ours, so we quit out of it and just went back to the vanilla game to run our custom games mm -hmm. on Monday and Tuesday night, or maybe it was just Tuesday when it came out. Yeah. But um, so yeah, that's going to be a problem. I don't know what they're going to do about that. And they said that they might end up charging for custom access. Mm. Um, which to me, actually, of all the things I've bitched about them charging for, that one actually kind of makes sense to me. Um, mm. it, it's not usually included as part of a game, and it, and it does eat up resources um, in a different way than a normal game, especially if you're hosting games with 20 to 30 people instead of a full 100, right? Yeah. So 
yeah, it's resources. And also, I just don't, I want customs to work. Customs already don't work that well in some ways, uh, even with the limited number of people who can host them. And we've seen this when we try to host uh, unique Battle Royale customs. It's really hard to fill up a Battle Royale custom game. Yeah. Especially up to a full 100 players. Yeah. It can work, but you're usually sitting around watching the lobby fill up for 10 to 15 minutes. For war mode, it's not that bad. It, it can it fills up in a minute or two, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's it's not fun to to have to wait around for that. So I'm hoping it, that custom servers don't just totally implode <laughs> with these changes. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll see for sure. I mean, because you're right, it is all about you know. This has just been the continual question for this game: is like, how do we fill servers in a reasonable amount of time? And a lot of the decisions they've made around it have center on that question, you know, because mm-hmm. they, they don't want this experience of people having to wait around to start their game. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, anyway, there's a lot of places they could go with this. Um, you know, personally, I would love to see them get more or get at all into mods, you know, like, because I, I think once there are mods available for this game that really change the gameplay, then I think custom servers are going to be a lot more exciting. Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah, I mean, we've been trying different game modes lately in customs. Oh, I know. And it's, it's pretty tedious. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're like, your base is over there, and your base is over there, and get back to your base. And like, hey, you're not supposed to kill each other right now. <laughs> like, you know, it'd be so much easier if we could just mod it. And- yeah make people respond and exactly especially since like it really wouldn't take like for example we've been playing capture the flag and a bomb right this is very Mm -hmm. similar to capture the flag Mm -hmm. and we've been jumping through a few hoops to make it happen and it's really hasn't even been that hard for us to do it in the game you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and like if they just made an in-game item that was a flag and made it spawn in the middle of the map like right there, that would make the R mode a lot easier, right? Mm-hmm. And so there are just some very, very, very simple things that they could add into that code that would really open up new game modes. Or, or that's that's a one-hour mod that a hobbyist could put together. Totally. You know? Yeah, So absolutely. So, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's all kinds of concerns like cheating and giving people access to the code. And, you know, I can understand many reasons why they might not want to do that. Mm-hmm. But I just think that would really be a game changer for custom games. Mm. Wait, you're saying cheating. So you're saying if, if people could make mods, they'd ha- gain insights into the source code and we might see more cheats. Well, I don't know how it works, you know? Like, okay. I, I'm, I've never been a modder before. Mm-hmm. My assumption is that that might be one of the reasons why they've been more reluctant to open up their, you know, SDK and the APIs to their community. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's that's my uneducated thought about it. Yeah. Oh, that's an interesting idea. I don't know much about it either. So mm-hmm. if any of you listeners know much about modding, hit us up. I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on it. Yeah. So... All right, Robin, te- let's let's talk about this um, PC update number 18 then. Um, I was not aware that we were getting a pickup truck on Sandhawk. Yeah, it's a little guy. It's a little like Datsun, I'd say. Okay, very cool. Which is a popular truck in the 80s. I want one. Do um, you? Yeah, and I saw Wacky Jackie testing it out. This thing cruises. Huh. It's 
it's fast. It handles well. He was taking it on-road, off-road, and he just had a really shining review of oh, it. Okay. And so, yeah, stoked to use that. Uh, he shot it with the QBU. It took about 45 rounds to blow it up, so it's also pretty sturdy. Okay. That's nice. in UAZ territory, I believe, ah. in terms of its sturdiness. Huh, okay. So, so unrealistic, but good for us. Yep. Nice. Yep. So this is the truck to be in. It fits four people, uh, two in the cab, and then two in the back. It looks awesome. I can't wait to use it. It's not as good for cover because it is small. Mm, mm-hmm. So base, I'd, I'd say it's uh, comparable to a Dacia for cover, but a little better because you can crouch behind um, pretty much the whole thing. Mm. Whereas with the Dacia, you're going to get your head picked off um, yeah. crouching like over the hood or the trunk. So it's great. Nice. The Roni. Mm-hmm. Roni. Right. R-O-N-Y. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. It says it's one of the larger vehicles on Sandhawk. So... I'm glad that they came out with this and not that, like, three-wheeled cart Oh, the tuk-tuk or whatever? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What a novelty that would be. It's going to be... That's going to be cute, but it's just not that practical. Oh, it sure is I I could see us having some fun custom game modes with it, for sure. Have you ever ridden in an actual tuk-tuk? No. They travel at about... They they top out at, like, 25 miles an hour. Wow. <laughs> and you feel like you're going 70, you know? Mm-hmm. But, yeah. The... There's the Ang Bak Thai Warrior. There's a really great chase scene with those. <laughs> oh, I th- yeah, I vaguely remember that. Yeah. yeah, I remember that, and I just remember a lot of people elbowing each other in the head. Yeah. There's a of lot that. of that going on. It's a on. great movie. <laughs> um, all right, let's talk about the QBU. Um so this is another man we are just spoiled with the bullpups recently oh i love it yeah dude yeah this thing is pretty it actually looks a lot like the qb z yeah it does right right. except it's a little longer and it has a bipod Mm -hmm. yeah and so yeah like we said neither robin nor i have actually played with this weapon yet but i did pull up some stats on it and it just seems like a much better mini 14 Mm. like so let's let's do some comparisons here. So the Mini 14 is currently listed on the wiki as doing 46 hit damage, while the QBU is listed as doing 55. So damn, people. Damn. Wait, what was that? 55 hit damage. Oh, damn. Yeah, for the QBU. That's very substantial, especially when when you look at what's currently listed on the wiki for the SKS, which granted was on May 2nd, a little while ago, but I have no reason to believe it's changed. Uh, the SKS was doing 53 damage before. So it's entirely possible that this new weapon does more damage per hit than the SKS, while, note, while still having the 990 meters per second bullet speed that the Mini does. Dude. Yeah, so that's huge. Okay, that's different than I thought. That's huge. I thought that this was going to be basically the same stats as the Mini, yeah. except it had a bipod and therefore was more stable during prone. Right. But that is not the case, according I mean, to these stats. So this thing had been reported somewhere, I don't remember where, to do 48 damage before. Uh-huh. So I don't actually know where this number 55 came from. Um but, you know, I mean, right. it's in the frickin' wiki and it was updated today, so I have no reason to believe it's not accurate. Okay. So, um, yeah, it, it, you know, now it has a smaller magazine size than the Mini. It has the 10 bullets like the SKS. Mm-hmm. 
So, you know, that's very similar. Good and point. it doesn't have the uh, the foregrip or the buttstock attachment points that mm-hmm. the SKS does. So it's, it's the same attachment points as the Mini, basically. Mm-hmm. So we have one option to stabilize it further. Correct. Which is the compensator muzzle attachment. Right. Um, well, and also the, the bipod. Right, yeah. right. Yep. So that's they yeah they've said that the bipod substantially reduces the recoil of the weapon so i'll be interested to try that out yep again credit to wacky jackie uh this is in his video too of him test firing it and it looks quite menacing in the prone position Mm, okay Uh, he was he was spamming and able to control on like a basketball sized target wow 80 meters wow dude so it was it was good yeah which, you know, that coupled with how much foliage and grass there is on Sandhawk means I, I think you're going to get spammed by a prone person with this weapon a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that this is going to be... I know it's going to be my new meta for a while on this map is QBU, QBZ. Oh, uh, there you go. <laughs> or even actually QBU submachine gun yeah. is, is just as likely for me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, yeah, ump QBU could be a really strong yep. combo. Or vector QBU. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, apparently, they say that this gun handles, it's a bit more wily than the Mini. So that's something I'll be interested to try out. I'm guessing it's still not as wily as the SKS, but, you know, who knows? Um, so, yeah, but, you know, we'll we'll do a more in-depth feature on this weapon when we've really had a chance to get our fingers on it. But I just wanted to look at the stats and, you know, start thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Any more thoughts okay. on that, Robin? Not really. Just stoked to get my hands on it. I'll probably see if I can get in cut, um, the test server tonight and give it a go again. Nice. Uh, we tried to get in there the other night, but matchmaking was broken. So, yeah, haven't had to, haven't had the opportunity yet. Yeah, yeah. All right, shall we move on to talk about Sandhawk? That's it. Awesome. Let's do it. All right. So, yeah, um, you know, Sandhawk dropped. We've been playing it for the last, what, month or so? Something like that? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I, I've it's it's been long enough for us to develop some kind of initial thoughts about just the overall differences of this map. Like, each map in PUBG has its own kind of matter, which is necessitated by its unique design. And so, like, for example, on Miramar, we saw like a lot of, you know, vehicle sniper kind of matter on that map. Um, Erangel, I don't know. I don't, I, it's hard to describe what Erangel's matter is really. But mm-hmm. Sandhawk definitely 100% has its own matter. And um, if you're playing Sandhawk like you're playing the other maps, you are in for a rude awakening. So um, let's let's talk about this, Robin. Um, what what are some of your initial takeaways from Sandhawk? Yeah. So when you first brought this topic up as as an episode idea, the first thing that crossed my mind is the way that I move through the map and the way that I'm thinking about the space tactically, and it's different than the maps we've seen before. Uh, Aaron Gall was a very tree heavy map where I, when I was moving, I was thinking about where are the trees and I was kind of tree hopping. Yeah. And the hills there don't enter into the play as much because they're much longer, like larger hills with, with smaller amounts of nuance, meaning there's yeah. just not a lot of 
variation amongst the hills. Yeah, and a lot of very right? gradual hills. Yeah, yeah, gradual. There's not a lot of, of terrain irregularities al- along them. And so basically it was like trees and towns, right, is is Erangel. Yeah. Trees and towns and then plains. And then the desert, Miramar, was a lot more terrain and the hills there and then also rocks, right? Yeah. And that is very similar to Sanhok, except it's kind of a mix of all of them. I, it I is. think my main takeaway was hills and rocks is the, the things that I think about on this map the most. Um, the hills are generally smaller than we see in either Erangel um, or Miramar. And they also have a fair amount of terrain fluctuation and irregularities amongst them, including cliffs and rocks, right? Yeah. And so I'm always looking, instead of for trees to take cover, I'm looking for rocks because they're all over the place on this map. And that's definitely uh, from watching other people play what people are gravitating towards as well. Yeah. Um, Which is, you know, it's so much more secure. Well, right, especially since the trees on average on Sandhog feel thinner than the trees on Erangel. So mm-hmm. there's, I feel like you have less of a chance of running to a tree that's like wide enough to offer you substantial cover. Exactly. There's very few. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, if you're having to hide behind a tree, you're probably dead. Like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you're in trouble. Pretty effed. I mean, it, you can do it in solos, basically. Yeah. Right. Because if you're up against duos or a squad, they're gonna be able to outangle exactly as a cover. Um, yeah, but they still they're kind of relevant in solos. If, if your target is a little ways off and can't just quickly rotate on you, right? Yeah, that's a really good point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of these rocks to crouch behind, and I, I think as well because there's so much grass, there's so many rocks in the grass. I think there's gonna be a lot of people proning behind rocks. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something to look out for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love these rocks, man. Um, I like it so much more than tree tactics. Yeah. Because if somebody, like, we're, we're, you're used to peeking back and forth on different sides of a tree at somebody. And it's not nearly as interesting as peeking on either side of a rock. Yeah. Which, there's going to be more time between peeking opposite sides of a rock. But there's also this verticality to a rock that comes into play where you can jump on top of them to get a better view. Uh, you can jump over them to get a kind of surprise flank on somebody, uh, things like that. So yeah, much more playable and fun than a tree. Yeah, it's also a little easier to get a nade over them too, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I, I just, I find it easier. Some I've actually, you know, occasionally had my nades bounce off a tree and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, I like them too. I, I I agree. I just think they're much more interesting to fight around than trees are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and and the hills, I think you bring up a really good point. There's a lot of verticality in this map. Like, I think you spend a lot of time, like, fighting someone up on a hill when you're in the valley and stuff like that. Mm. Um, and I think that makes it really interesting. I also think it makes this map challenging. Because if you think about Miramar or Erangel, a lot of times if someone's above you, they're usually kind of gradually above you. Mm-hmm. But I feel like in this map, there's just a lot of pretty dramatic changes in elevation. Mm-hmm. And some of them happen pretty suddenly, like you'll be going over a gradual hill and then all of a sudden the other side of it's really steep or something like that. And, mm-hmm. you know, or you'll have like a 
you'll have a lookout tower on the top of a hill that's looking down over like a little cluster of buildings in a valley. Mm-hmm. So there's just like a lot of stuff like that. Um, and I, th- I think that it just makes this map a bit more of a vertical fight than we've seen before. Right. It, it, it's a lot easier to walk around to than Miramar was. Yeah. Um, Miramar has those steep hills that kill you. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a couple of places here where that can happen. The cliffs are more dangerous, but cliffs are like obviously dangerous. Yeah. Where, but you, I don't get surprised by like the steep death hills that often here. I, th- I think there's just really not very many of them, which is great. Um, yeah, I don't think I've died like surprise died falling down a hill on Sandhawk. I don't, I don't think I have. I think I took a little damage once. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in the southwest there's some steeper ones, but mm-hmm. anyway, yeah. um, also in the northwest. But another thing about hills is. The small size makes it a lot easier to use them to rotate mm, on people. Yes. Right? So it's a, it's a lot quicker and easier to rotate along a small hill than it is a big hill. Yeah. Um, and you can do it at a closer range to your opponent than... With Miramar, I feel like if you're doing a hill rotation, you're like a kilometer away. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Not quite. Not quite. But it's your ways off. Yeah. Well, and one of the reasons for that is that so much of the landscape in Miramar is bald, you know? Like, mm-hmm. often the hill is the only geographic feature in the area. Mm-hmm. Whereas on Sandhog, there's so much foliage and there's so many rocks that I feel like you get... This will happen so much on this map where... Like you'll see someone just over the hill and you'll exchange a few bullets and then you're both playing this cat and mouse flanking game. Mm -hmm. And it's really stressful because you're like, they could be behind that bush or that tree or they could be behind the rock or maybe they went further down the hill to get a wider flank. Mm -hmm. So it just presents a lot of options in that moment. I feel like this would be a good map to just try my retreat mode on where I just run away from everyone I see. Mm. It's just like, it'd be so easy to get away from people, I feel like, with the hills and the trees and the shrubs and the rocks and all of it. So. That's true. Yeah. I think that yeah. if you like to play the hiding stealthy game, this is a really great map to do that on. Mm, get yourself a ghillie suit and just oh, perfect. walk around with an SMG with a silencer and just try not to get noticed. <laughs> yeah. I think that would be a really fun mode. I want to try that actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, a point that you were hinting at earlier, Robin, was that it's, it's kind of a lot easier to move around on foot on this map mm-hmm. and you know ob- the, the main reason for that is obviously just because it's you know it's a quarter of the size of the other maps mm-hmm. so that's definitely a thing you know vehicles feel less relevant to me on this map than they ever have in the game mm-hmm. i think if you play it right you could be in a situation where you pretty much never have to use a vehicle I almost never do. They they feel like death traps to me on this map. Mm, mm-hmm. Unless I drop really far from the flight path, and let's say the circle ends up being really far away, I pretty much just... it's They're so easy to avoid using. Um, yeah. The circles do tend to be a little bit quicker here, but you still... I almost never need a vehicle um, if you are paying any like halfway decent attention to what's going on with it. It's going to be pretty easy to get to the circle on time without one. Um, yeah. the, the, pr- the part of the problem with vehicles is since it is a quarter of the size and we have the same number of players, it's a higher density of players yeah. from the get-go. And the likelihood of you getting spotted even on a short trip or alerting somebody to your general location on a short trip is really high. Yeah. Um, in fact, I would say pretty much any time you get into a vehicle and start the engine, the chance of somebody being in hearing range of that is like, 
75% or higher. Definitely. <laughs> yep. Yep. So you, it's just not worth it. Well, and another thing that just occurred to me as well is that the geography of this map really specifically funnels your vehicles in certain places. So for example, on Erangel, you can drive pretty much anywhere. And on Miramar, you know, there, there's some terrain that's really rocky, but if you're intrepid, you can still do it. And I feel like um, Sandhawk really discourages you from driving through the hills. So mm -hmm. like you have a lot of these roads going through these valleys. And then of course, there's so much water that you can't drive through. And so what you find is that you're just much more likely to end up in a choke point with your vehicle. Yeah. That said, I really like driving on this map. <laughs> like when I when I get the reason a reason to, I don't know why I do it, but sometimes I will. And it is so fun to drive through the forest and to try to avoid rocks and trees. It, it's it's really entertaining. Yeah. You have to have good reflexes. If you want to hone your like reflexive driving skills, um, that'd be a good way to do it. In fact, for a customs game, we should have like a cross map race that's like oh, backcountry. Dude, I love know? it. Because it's just so fun to drive it on is. this map. Yeah. Um, and I might even do it just in normal mode just because it is so fun. Even though I don't think it's a very um, good strategy, I think it's still, it's just an interesting way to play it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Love it. Yeah. So this brings me to another observation I've made, which is that I feel like you can get to most parts of this map in your drop, like right from the plane. Um, which has never been the case in the past. Mm -hmm. So I feel like in general on Sandhawk, you can kind of, you know, you can look at the flight path and then you can just be like, where do I want to go on the island? And you, you'll probably get there if you really want to. Mm -hmm. So I think that that just makes, it makes this map more interesting. I think it means that more of the map is likely to be in play at all times. Um, and I, I think that it affords some freedoms that you don't have on other maps. And I've noticed that, like, for example, on Miramar or on Erangel, there are a lot of times when you can be like, you know, I just want to be quiet. I'm going to go to this small cluster of houses and there'll be no one nearby me. And that's that you can kind of have a reasonable assurance of that. Mm -hmm. And I've never found that to be the case on Sandhawk. Mm -hmm. Like I'll pick like some random cluster of houses off in the middle of nowhere and there'll be like some other person dropping with yep. me. Which I think is it's one of the reasons this map is more exciting and I think just more fun is it just feels like everything is playable and any any new village you go to, there's a fairly good chance you're gonna run into someone there. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I've also noticed that, like, you know, the circles shrink quickly and it, very, very soon into the game, it becomes a safe assumption that there's going to be someone camping in any random building on the map. So I think that's something you have to be doubly careful when you're running through the map. Like if you see, you know, just a shack or a little village or a tower or something, I mm -hmm. think there's just a higher likelihood that it's going to be camped. Uh, yeah, and I think all of this all of this translates into a map where people are going to be dropping places, you know, all over the place. People are going to be running on foot a lot. Um, of course, there's so much water, so you know, there's there's a lot of people swimming, and and of course, they definitely nerfed the the underwater meta game, so it's a lot more punishing. But mm -hmm. there's still a lot of people doing it, swimming to get around, um, and swimming mm -hmm. for stealth. Really? Yeah. Okay. I've I've definitely noticed that, especially in my solo games. 
like toward the end or just just in general yeah you know um it's it's still a good way to stay hidden and it's still hard to actually shoot someone in the water so Mm -hmm. i'm surprised actually to be honest just because you can shoot if someone's near the surface they're pretty not easy to shoot but you can land shots on them and kill them yeah right and like if you're aiming shoulders or higher it's kind of hard to hit them in the in the stomach or something so you have a smaller target if they're in the water but also just it's so hard to be in the water without losing breath and and drowning so Mm -hmm. yeah it's harder for sure i mean i'm kind of stoked like if i see people in water it's like oh easy target you know right i've noticed though that this will happen a lot like both in solos and in squads where you'll see someone in the water and you'll be like ooh, juicy target and then they'll dive and and by the time they've come up again like you've been flanked or you've been rotated Mm. on or like you're in another fight you know so this Mm. this has i've been on both sides of this a lot might be a good bait technique yeah yeah definitely Well, and this brings me to my next point, which is that the flank is real on Sandhawk. Like, I've lost count of the number of times I've been in a squad game, especially, and we're like fighting one group and another group just comes up from behind and kills us. Mm. And it it really makes me feel like having a designated, like, you know, having someone on your team who's actively watching your six all the time. Mm-hmm. I think is not a bad idea on this map. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just so common. It's it's it just makes sense. People are so close together. People hear shots. Yeah, and it, it kind of makes me wonder about the circle meta on this map. I know we've talked a lot about circle positioning, and you know we've experimented experimented with going to the middle of the circle lately, and. I feel like between the middle and the edge is a really dangerous place to be on this map. Yeah. And the likelihood of getting flanked is very high. Middle, obviously, there's a huge chance of getting flanked, but people tend to steer away from the dead center, Yeah, in my experience. Agreed. And so you might be even a little bit safer in the dead center than kind of between the middle and the center. Um, mm-hmm. the, the edge is, I feel like, kind of the place to be generally. Um, that's on, I definitely know the maps. You mean? No, on this map. Oh, really? I, yeah, I like the edge of the circle on Sandhawk. Um, Is mm-hmm. that from a winning the game perspective or from a having a yeah. fun game perspective? No, no, the edge. It's not not the very edge. Like you still want to be proactive about getting to the white circle. Yeah. Right. But just the the flank potential is so high that I I prefer to kind of scrape the edge of the circle and and like keep moving and and pushing along the edges of it so i think mm-hmm. that's definitely likely to get you more kills but i'm not sure that it's likely to make you win the game more hmm. you know i've i've noticed that on this map there's a particularly high premium to being the person or the squad in the last building in the final circle ah uh, you know yeah. 
Like mm-hmm. that's huge in this map because there's this preponderance of like open spaces with just a couple houses in them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if if you're in a final circle where there's like one rock, no other cover and a couple buildings, like if your team's controlling the buildings, you have a really high likelihood of winning that game. Mm-hmm. So that, that's been an observation of mine is that the people who get set up in the best positions for the late games seem really advantaged on Sandhawk. Mm-hmm. Whereas I felt like it was a little more even. I mean, there's, there, there always is, or most of the time there is kind of like a better position in the final circles. But I just feel like on Sandhawk, it's, it, the disparity is so much larger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which actually, this brings me around to some of my gripes with this map. I mean, I think I've been pretty open in my criticism of Sandhawk. And it's not that I think it's a bad map, because I don't. Like, I've been playing it a lot. I've been having a lot of fun on it. Um, I really like the pacing. I like how it changes the game. I like how you never feel safe. I feel like I have a much lower instance of long, boring games. So those are all things that I really, really like about it. Um, but having said that, there are things about the map that really bother me. And, and that one that I just described is probably my least favorite part of it is that a lot of the game, it it seems to come down to like people holding houses and people out in the open. Um, it, it, I just feel like it leads for tactically boring situations um, a lot of these houses don't have great windows in them. Um, mm. So you're, you're kind of limited to the number of uh, corners and angles that you can control. Um, but then a lot of times there's just like a bunch of empty space around a house, which makes it hard to push in on an occupied house. Mm-hmm. And and I find that a lot of the house interiors are really simple and a lot of the house designs are really simple and boring. Hmm. Not in the cities. The cities are a little bit more fun. Hmm. But um, I find that so often the game comes down to like, you know, you have a little cluster of three houses in the middle of a clearing with very little cover around them. And I find those situations to be tactically uninteresting. Yeah, that I definitely don't notice very many interesting house battles. <laughs> yeah, they're they're over pretty quickly, right? Yeah. Like someone goes in a door. Some of the bigger houses I'm thinking of that are single story with the pitched roof where there's multiple rooms and you can't see like all of all of the rooms at one time most of the time. And so pretty much you're either in like one main room or in the other one. Yeah. And once a person makes them visible themselves visible to the other room, then there's a quick battle and it's over pretty fast. Right. It's not like anything we saw with the apartment gameplay on the other maps. Um, totally. Some of the multi-floored buildings feel a lot more fun, but also remember that we I don't I guess we do hot drop a fair amount, but remember that the hot drop buildings are amazing. They are. That, there is no question. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like Paradise Resort and the um training camp. Yeah, boot camp. Boot camp are both mm-hmm. like some of the funnest drops I've ever had in this game. Yep. Yeah. I 100% agree. Mm-hmm. Temple's pretty awesome too, or not? It's called Ruins now. Yeah, but yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's it's not a place that I enjoy dropping as much like in regular games. But we we played a war mode uh, in the temp in the ruins the other night, and it was it was so much fun in war mode. 
-hmm. yeah it was like full-on like unreal tournament death match i loved it Mm -hmm. yeah yes (laughs) so yeah i think i think sanahawk is a great map for people who like to hot drop i mean of course if they can fix the desync issues naturally That has been frustrating for me. But Mm -hmm. I want to lend credence to your recommendation of dropping in the trenches in boot camp. Mm -hmm. It's a really solid plan, and I have a lot of fun when I do that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. It's a great way to just get a little kitted up and uh, to ride out the initial couple minutes of really heavy desync. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. It's also a really good way to get a sense of where people are. Mm-hmm. You know, because you have people shooting all around you. Yeah. Um, and I've definitely, I've experienced the flip side of it, which is I've tried to hot drop at boot camp without going in the trenches. And I have found that a combination of how hot it is and how bad the desync is, you know, really leads to just like whoever gets the gun first wins kind of gameplay. And that's not very much fun for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... But yeah, Paradise, I can't recommend Paradise Resort enough. I just, I love that place. I could drop there all night mm-hmm. if I didn't have to wait so long between rounds. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. What What's your initial hit on this map, Robin? I loved it to start with. I still love it. Okay. I love this map. All right. <laughs> I just think it's amazing. Yeah. Um, from the terrain to the, the different locations and, and the kind of richness of the gameplay amongst all of that. I I just think it's a really well designed map by far in a way their best one. Oh, um, you think it's the best? Oh yeah! Wow. Okay. Without question, to me. Yeah. Just and I think it mainly they've they've implemented so many things on this map that they haven't in the others. Um, dynamic circles, dynamic weather. It's smaller, like those three things right there, and and the variance of cover that they have is like, it's just it, it's almost a different game. So it's, it's, I like, I'm just getting to the point now where I'm getting a little burnt out on it and starting to work the other maps into my, my rotation more, but they, those hours feel so slow to me compared to Sandhawk. Mm. So yeah, they are noticeably slower. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Agree. I almost, I almost need to commit to hot dropping in those other locations just so I'm not just to kind of keep the pace up Yeah. with it. Mm-hmm. I do remember that. I remember like I'd been playing with a squad and we'd been playing Sandhawk and I'd just been playing a lot of Sandhawk in general. And we switched over to like a, a BR on Erangel. Mm-hmm. And I just remember for the first time all night, I was like, nothing's happened for 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And it just felt so like, it felt so foreign to me. And it kind of reminded me of how I think a lot of people must feel when they first came to PUBG. You know, like, yeah. oh my God, this game is slow it, and quiet. It almost feels like you're taking a break when you go to the, one of the other maps, like Aaron Gold and <laughs> yeah. and don't hot drop because, you know, it's a, it's the usual kind of like running simulator of the game where you, you could just go 10, 15 minutes without a lot of action. Yeah. So definitely cool. So yeah, if you need a break, just play Arangal or Miramar. If you need a nap, you know, <laughs> <laughs> put that on auto run. Yep. Just catch up on your text messages. <laughs> yep. So yeah, we'll, we'll check back in on Sandhawk. I'm definitely excited to, you know, bring back location highlights in this show, which we haven't done for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely want to pinpoint some Sandhawk locations to get more in depth about and just, 
get get more into the nitty-gritty of strategic things on this map mm-hmm. so you know we're starting to get to a place where we actually have that kind of insight mm-hmm. so yeah stay tuned for all of that so let's see customs next week yeah so so we'll do monday night 6 p.m with robin and i'll do tuesday night 6 p.m as well um and then socolo has been pretty uh consistent with his saturdays so um, oh good okay yeah, you know check him out and yeah i am excited to for the possibility of our community members being able to host him as well so mm-hmm. like it, it it for example could create a cool situation where we could rotate through the people you know like whoever has an idea for the next custom they could just host it yeah you know or if someone dies early and instead of twiddling their thumbs, they can go in and make the next custom and then we can all jump in on it. So, mm-hmm. you know, so if you're listening out there and you're on the PC and you're, you know, you've always wanted to try your hand at customs, you know, come hit us up and we'll, we'll give you a turn in the limelight and you can take us all on whatever kind of wild ride you want. Awesome. All right. Well, that covers us for this week's episode. And uh, yeah, thanks so much again for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thanks to all of our new Patreons. Feels really good to, you know, have your support like that. Yeah, that feels awesome. Yeah. And you'll you'll be hearing Robin's increased fidelity soon. So that's exciting. For better or worse. For be- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You guys don't know what you've been missing. So and... Full on nasal. <laughs> I wasn't going to say it. Hi, Def. (laughs) Yeah, and so our Discord's really been popping off lately. Just a lot of fun, informal conversations, and we've we've had a meme war begun over there. So, you know, stop by, and it it prompted Daniel to actually create a new channel devoted entirely to the memes. So that's for the culture. Nice. And um, you can always email us at winnerpodcast at gmail.com. And we have an Xbox club as well. Feel free to look that up. It's winner winner. When you search under Xbox clubs, it'll pop right up. And we have a Reddit as well. So you can always go in there if you're bored at work. And yeah, Robin. All right. And our music is done by Gazelles. And you can find a link to their Facebook page in our show notes. Thanks, Gazelles. You guys kick ass. Indeed you do. And thanks to you, the listener, you also kick ass, and we will look forward to filling your eardrums again next week. All right. Ciao, guys. See you out there.